Blog Talk Radio. I want to share the word with you from Reverend Ike's study guide. Now, I want to call your attention to the subject addressed on page 20. And the, the subject is define and declare. Now, let's read the scripture for this lesson. I like to read the text. And those of you who have not heard me speak before, this is not an intellectual exercise. And I do a lot of purposeful repetition. Why? Because that is the way the subconscious learns, by repetition. How do you think you learned to be sick? Sickness is something that mankind, mindkind, had to learn. Because when God created you and God got through with you, He said it is good and very good. Also, sin is something that man had to learn. Poverty had to be learned. And how do people get into all of these situations and circumstances today? Because they hear the same thing repeated again and again and again. That is why we use affirmations here. What the mind hears continually, it will begin to believe and to act upon. The scripture that I'm going to read with you is Ephesians, the third chapter, the 20th verse. I love that scripture that says, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Listen to that. How did he do it? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. I don't know whether Bishop Xavier is going to tell you this or not, so I'll tell him because it makes me think of something. A couple of weeks ago, he was driving his Escalante through the canyon in Malibu. And I've started it now. Come on down here. A coyote jumped out in front of him. It just appeared in front of the car all of a sudden. And uh, I didn't have time to think or anything. So I swerved to get out of the way. And immediately that big top-heavy SUV began careening back and forth, skidding to the side and I could not get back in control of the thing. It just went right out of control. And it just all happened so quickly in a heartbeat. I was able to get it straight again, but then it swerved off the road, hit an embankment. And as I hit the embankment, the force was transferred, and I started to roll. And just as I started to roll, I stated, harm to none. And the car began to roll. Rolled over once, boom. Rolled over twice, boom. Car righted itself. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't believe I just crashed and rolled in my car. <laughs> and I'm taking inventory. Everything is there. Everything feels fine. feels good. And so I climbed out the window because the door would not open. But I think what you're getting at with being definite with the word, be it define and declare, the scariest thing about being in control of that car is that I did not know in my conscious mind whether I was going to get badly messed up or not. But during the whole thing, I felt the part of me that knew, holding the intention and making the statement that I'm not going to be messed up here. I'm not going to have this as an opportunity to get broken and battered. And when I hit the embankment and began to roll, that was when the most frightening part, not knowing whether I was going to go over the edge. When the car started turning, it's as if all of the intention inside me to not be harmed came out and harm to none that was what I defined and declared and indeed I wasn't harmed what what were those words you said as the car began to spin out of control harm to none harm to none catch these words people you never know when you may need to that's harm something to none what does that harm mean harm to none it means harm to none let no one be injured let no one be hurt by the actions, by the occurrences that are taking place. And I've spoken these words to you before in the context of when we're programming for what we want, when we're defining and declaring, you know, the work we've done together with meditation and visualization, what have you. Whenever you want to create something, whenever you want to manifest something, it's always important with your programming to add the words, this or better, meaning that there's room for something better than what I can envision right now, to let it drop in, and with harm to none meaning that I don't want anybody to be harmed by my creation. I don't want anybody to be harmed in order to have what I want. 
Now, you hold that intention. When there's something good that we desire, we don't go about trying to take it from other people or to harm someone in order to have what we want or my benefit should not come at anyone else's expense. And I believe you also told me when you, when you called me on the phone that when you saw those eyes glaring at you in the dock, you didn't know whether it was a person or not. That's why you swerved. Right. That was the thing. It just appeared so quickly in front of the car. I just said, oh, God, don't let that be a person because it looks like I'm going to hit it. But I swerved out of the way because I, I didn't want to harm whatever was in front of the, the vehicle. And the thing hit an embankment and rolled over twice, and you crawled out without a scratch. A minor scratch, but <laughs> <laughs> no harm done, certainly. No harm done. And, you know, all in all, it was a pretty cushy roll, I must say. <laughs> well, like an amusement park ride. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> But at the time, it wasn't that much fun. <laughs> and I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> All right. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. It's good to know how to get a hold of the word. Thank you, son. We'll hear from you later. Define and declare. The stuff works if you work with it, you see. Ephesians 3.20. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. Oh, boy, I love God. God is just the God of superlatives. You know, I get joy out of just reading it. Come on, let's start it again. And let's change the pronoun to a noun. God is able. God in me is able. God in me, on me, through me, as me, for me. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Define and declare. Now, in life, you have to define and declare what you want to be, to do, and to have. Because if you don't, they, the world, will take a hold of your self-definition. Reverend Ike said some years ago these words, and I love these words. I am not other people's opinions. When you learn that, that liberates you, sets you free from what people think about you. Now, whatever you think about me, that's your opinion. But I'm not your opinion. I am God's opinion. Shout that three times. I am God's opinion. I am God's opinion. I am God's opinion. I'm not even the opinion of my ego. I am God's opinion. Have you ever read God's opinion of you? When God got through making you, what did God say? As a matter of fact, you know, a lot of planning went into you. A lot of divine planning. Why should you come along and mess it up? And Elohim said, Let us make man in our own image and in our likeness. That's what God said. That's what Elohim said. And you think you were just made helter-skelter. There's a conference about you in the councils of heaven. Let us make a manifestation of God. That's something to tell you. God had nothing to make you out of but God. Now, that's why I take issue with the theologians in this business of original sin. That is one of the biggest lies ever perpetrated on mankind. Sin is not original. Righteousness is original. After I'd been out of the cemetery, I mean seminary, for 18 years, I met my, one of my professors, and he says, you know, I hear about those doctrines you're preaching. He said, but what about the doctrine of original sin? I said, Dr. So-and-so, you know very well that man is not an original sinner. There's nothing original about sin. Righteousness is original. Original sin is the theologian's opinion. But I'm not the theologian's opinion. See, you need to learn this. My daughter-in-law was singing at a whole life expo. She told me something very interesting. And... Somebody found out that she was Reverend Ike's daughter-in-law. They begin to 
Ask her about Reverend Ike. Spout some of the opinions. What was it? You know, I'm not embarrassed. That's one of my gifts. You can't tell enough lies on me to embarrass me and get my money. Uh-uh. <laughs> what did they say? There was this uh, gentleman that was singing there, and he'd watched me perform, and he walked up to me, and Reverend Mrs. Ike was there. And she, somehow it came up that I was your daughter-in-law, and there she, you were, she's your wife. <laughs> he said, oh, the Reverend Ike that had that scam scheme, whatever he called it, that he said that he was involved in, came to the church, gave money to the church, and then apparently the church was going to return back gazillions in a very short amount of time called investing in the church and I said well you know I don't ever recall hearing anything about that I'm going to ask about it so I asked dad about it yesterday and of course he said no it's never been anything like that and, no did and you say you was, said the IRS yeah I was also saying well didn't the IRS come in and they busted him and it was terrible and he went to jail and you know on and on and on <laughs> That kind of thing, and I'm like, mm -mm. well, I happen to know that the IRS has never found anything in the church or any of its affiliated organizations. That's what happened. I am not other people's opinions. Let's hear it. I am not other people's opinions. See, if I didn't know that, maybe that would bother me. So far, I wouldn't brag about it too much, but so far, I've never been in jail and have no aspirations. But... I'm not other people's opinions. I'm God's opinion. See, you've got to know that. And after God created man and created the whole world and everything, the Bible says that God looked at what he had done and what he had made and said what? It is good and very good. And another thing, even if you're a perfect mess, and I want to ask you a question while we're talking about this subject. And I want you to write it down, and I want you to think about it. Where do you get your self-definition? And by the way, to backtrack just a little, do you know if you worry about what people say about you, you've got trouble. Do you worry about what other people think about you? Now, God is not through with me yet, but that's one of my strong graces. When you know who you are, what other people think, other people's opinions won't bother you. If you worry about what other people think and what other people say, you must not be sure about yourself. Let me hear you say, I know who I am in God. And I know who God is in me. See, I know my own heart. I know my own integrity. I know my own honesty. Matter of fact, I'm at the point when I hear stuff like that, I laugh about it. It's my joke. In one of the Psalms it says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. He shall mock them to derision. Oh, did you hear what they said about you? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Liberace and George had the answer. Liberace, did you hear what they said about you? But yes, I and George laughed about that all the way to the bank. All right, here's the question. Where do you get your self-definition? Now, this is important. Esta es muy, muy importante. Most people don't even know. After Adam and Eve had sinned and they hid from God in the garden, Adam said, well, Lord, you know, we were naked and so we hid. God said, who told you? Who told you that? I don't even take my racial identity from anybody. Anytime anybody calls me a black preacher, I stop them. They wait a minute. If we're going to use color, I'm green. Now, I don't allow anybody to define me. Tell yourself that. I don't allow anybody to define me. I'll tell you why. Because you will fulfill your self-definition. Your self-declaration. And it's good to know where you get your self-definition. I don't get my self-definition from the world. Say that. I don't get my self-definition from the world. I am an unhyphenated American. Don't hyphenate me. I was born in the USA. On my human side, my ancestors came from many places, from Africa, from Europe. The other day on email, one of my Native American tribesmen
welcome to Raising Independent Thinkers. This show is a space for families who are homeschooling or thinking about homeschooling. We'll explore alternative teaching methods, federal and state homeschooling laws, and most importantly, this show is a platform where families can inspire one another on how to raise independent thinkers. I'm your host, Bathsheba Omani, Montessori educator, homeschooling consultant, owner of Homeschool Guide, LLC, and mother of two. Let's get started. Okay, good evening, everyone. You are listening to the Raising Independent Thinker Show on Hindsight Radio. I hope that everyone is doing well, staying healthy, and feeling blessed. Um, I am your host, Bathsheba, and along with me is Akeem L., who will be co-hosting with me on this evening. Um, Hi, Akeem. How are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I can hear you you well. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay, well. good. So so we're broadcasting um on Block Talk as well as live on YouTube. Um I'm hearing an echo. Akeem, I forgot. What do I need to do to stop the echo? I know it must be oh yeah, yeah, yeah uh block talk wonder if they hear me well. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's, it's, it's blog talk that's probably having a problem. Okay. It's blog talk. 
And I'll just redo the video like I did last week through the audio. So if y'all want to get on the the uh, uh, you know the, the YouTube, that'll be better. Which is the link is in the chat. So. Well, it sounded like right. you um, added more information. And Way I'm more. Sh- yeah, I'm sure. Way more. Those who attended appreciated um, the knowledge. Yeah. And information that you shared. So, so this week, um, we also found out that my daughter was accepted. Well, she accepted an offer to the New York Film Academy in L.A., where she wants to study and experience learning about the film industry. And I'm excited for her and looking forward to supporting her in her journey. Um, it's a, cons- a one-year conservatory. And I'm very proud of her because for the most part, when she puts her mind to something, um, she's very persistent and goes after it. So I'll be updating you all on that, that whole process. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. She kept saying it every day. That was the only place she wanted to go. Right. Right. Yep. So um, today I wanted to talk about several topics. Um, The show is titled Great Things Take Time. So I'll touch on that. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about that, the whole doctor story and then um, continue on discussing about ancient civilizations in the book um, that I'm reading, 100 Amazing Facts About the Negro. So for this entire week, you know, I kept hearing different conversations and realizing how easy it is for us to become like unmotivated, unfocused, and just easily distracted um, in all areas of life, especially when it comes to parenting. Um, Many of us went through moments when we were excited about being a parent at one time or excited about starting a new job or relationship. Um, I remember I used to stare at my children when they were infants for long periods of time, you know, just in amazement that they came from me. Um, And just thinking about how blessed I am as a mother to be their mother. And then time goes by, right. And that newness wears off. Um, And what, we first loved starts then become work. So as parents, that means getting up every morning. You know, if you have young children, helping them get dressed, making meals, assisting them with school, whether they're they're going to school or you're homeschooling. And even if your child is fairly independent, as parents, we still have the responsibility in keeping them safe and making sure they have the basics. So it's similar for those who start a new career, and as time goes by um, and the work or the people that you're working with, starts, it starts feeling like a burden, um, and you can easily start feeling unmotivated. Um, and I'm bringing this up because I've been there, you know, throughout many times in my life. So a few years um, after I started teaching, I started to rethink my position as a classroom teacher and I started allowing people to distract me and discourage me from teaching in the classroom uh, because of their just lack of respect and lack of just basic grace and courtesy. And I wanted to quit many times and start something completely different. And the only reason why I decided to stay in the field is because I knew deep down that I'm good at what I do. You know, I, I knew my purpose was to educate. And I realized that knowing your purpose really gives you meaning to life. Um, And over the years I've had to readjust, you know, the work that I'm doing. And now I'm learning how to educate adults, but I'm still in that field of teaching. Um. And I think also being a mother gives me purpose. 
Um, I know I was meant to be a mother to the two children that I have. And of course, there there's many times that I'm exhausted. You know, I didn't always want to be present. But as time went on, I realized that great things take time. And sometimes we need to refocus, reset, and readjust to help us concentrate and bring bring us back to um, just having that motivation that we had in the first place. Um, so I, I didn't tell you this, Akeem, but I spoke to my brother today and, you know, he, he suffered a huge loss in losing his youngest child. His youngest child passed away, which is ultimate loss. And, and he said to me that he needs to readjust his life because his life is no longer the same. And I get that. And as parents, um, or just as people in general, we go through different changes in our life. And we need to be mindful that in order to have successful longevity, we need to sometimes readjust or, or just rethink about how we're doing things in life. And there's a quote that I read that says, endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory. And I, I thought that was powerful. Um, and another thing I wanted to mention is that I think because of technology, we have, you know, become the society of instant gratification. And it's getting more difficult to just wait on things. Um, you know, no one to go through the process anymore and they just want to um they want to cut the chase um and parents want their children to walk before they start crawling and I think there's a real danger to that because I think we need to go through the process so yeah that's all I wanted to say about that um mm-hmm Mhm. Right. 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 Those are one of those things you will never ever get over, but you get used to. You get used to that, but you don't get over it. Mhm. You know, whenever you lose someone, especially in the beginning, and then you know curiosity throughout your life and stuff. You start asking the questions like why, why, why that. You can't answer them. Right. A lot of questions you'll never get the answer to. Oh. So, yeah. But, but you can turn it into, you know, use it as a, a moment to learn and to adjust and become a better person. Right. Actually, those are times where you just value the people that are in your life that you still can communicate with. You know, we take those things for granted. You know, oh, I'll call them tomorrow. But then one day that might not happen. Right. It will never happen again. When you think about somebody, you need to pick that phone up and make that phone call. Because you never know. Because if you're thinking about something, I notice when I think about people and I call, oh, man, I was just thinking about you. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's definitely something to that. There's an energy to that that's coming out, making that connection. So a lot of times we we just casually oh think about somebody and put it off and put it off and put it off. But it, it, it's a good idea to to to, to make that phone call because I experienced that you know years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know I need to call him more often. I need to just call people in general more often. I'm not very good about that. Now, now, one thing about doing that is don't get upset when people don't call you like you call them to check on them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you call them, and just sometimes they'll be like, oh, I'll call you back, and they never call back. But you did your part. That's all that matters. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So... All right, well, I'm going to end on that note um, about that, and hopefully that message encouraged someone out there. Um, So, again, if you want to join in on the conversation, please call in um, 563-999-3600.
615 and hit the number one. Um, if you are a parent that needs support on homeschooling, um, you're looking for the right curriculum, you don't know where to start, or needing help understanding homeschooling laws in your state, please go visit my website, home-schoolguide.com, and schedule a consultation. Also, if you're just dealing with some of these public schools and you have a concern and you need an advocate to support you, I am available for um, consulting. Okay, so um, I just wanted to touch a little bit. <laughs> I see you put the ancient civilizations up there, Akeem. But I wanted to touch a little bit on that whole Dr. Seuss story real quick, just because I find it interesting and um, want to hear some of your thoughts, if you if you have thoughts about it. So the story um, is that the company which is the Dr. Seuss Enterprises, decided to stop publishing six of um, the Dr. Seuss books. And this happened on March the 2nd, which is Dr. Seuss's birthday. And Dr. Seuss actually published 60 books. Um, I just found that out today. I I didn't know how many books he published. But only six of those books um, out of his collection were were. Uh, banned or they're no longer being published and it's interesting because on social media you would think they canceled all of his books but that's not true right right you know and um so yeah there were six books and now I only read one of those books out of the six books, and that one was called If I Ran a Zoo. Okay. Um, and that that book is basically about a man visiting a zoo, and he discovered animals that he felt were not good enough. And um, there's images in the book of a man holding a gun on the top of his head. Oh, he's holding a gun on top of the heads of three Asian men. And then there's a line in the book that says the helpers, all of the helpers wear their eyes at, at a slant. And, and, you know, there's some other inappropriate images. And I think that, like, corporations now are having more honest conversations about imagery, which is a good thing. When was that, when was that written? I, I believe it was written, like, in the 1930s, if I'm not mistaken, I have to look that up. But I, I believe okay. it was like in the 1930s. So okay. um, it was written a long time ago. Well, you know, way back when, I don't know if it was that exactly that time, this country did have a thing against Asians. <laughs> you know, that they were the ones, you know, you know, they were, you know, I know how it is with immigrants from. Mexico. Right. That's how it was for them back then, way back when. I'm not sure if that, I think it was a little, a lot earlier than 1930, but this country had the, the, the so-called founding fathers always had it against some group of people at some point in time. Right, right. <laughs> Let me look so that up. He was writing according to the... See when it was published, yeah. because yeah, it was, it was around it was, I believe it was before the 50s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, this country is notorious for um, racist images. Right. Yeah, we can't hide that. That's, that's, and, and at times they still do it. You know, I well, one thing about the Dr. Seuss uh, brand, they did take the initiative to, they're the ones who I think initiated that, in my, I'm correct, on that, removing those books. They are. Yeah, it was the actual corporation that initiated it. Well, yeah, I guess that's a good thing, that they took, no one had to bring it to their attention. But I think someone brought it, brought it to their attention, maybe within the organization, and then they decided to pull it. I don't know. We weren't there, but they're pulling it. 
Right, right. I, I, the books, I, I, I never heard of that book. I don't remember. I remember Cat in the Hat, uh, something like this. It was different ones, but I don't remember those, that, that particular book. Right. So, oh, okay, I was wrong, actually. So that particular book, If I Ran the Zoo, was published in 1950. Yes. Right. That wasn't that long ago. And, you know, I mean, this is only one example. There's plenty of examples where we see, even in textbooks, that are, that have... Yeah, I mean, just history, how they teach history in school today is, is, is white supremacist ideals. They teach history from an invention that only the white male created anything. You know, they're the inventions of Paul. If you were to just study what you're given in the curriculum, you know, when I came up in school, Indians was taught to be savages. Right. They were scalpers. That's all. You know, that's the only image I had of an Indian. You know. Right. Who the Indians really were. And, 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 and the whole history is one big lie. So if they want to start pulling stuff, they need to start pulling them history books from school. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally get rid of everything they've been teaching. Well, you know, I'm hoping, I'm glad that they did take responsibility. And I'm hoping that this is the beginning of other mm-hmm. corporations um, seeing it. And I guess the question is do you think negative imagery affects children? And, you know, of course it does. <laughs> you know, I mean, even when you look at some of the cartoons, um, like Looney Tunes cartoons, Bugs Bunny, you know, Bugs Bunny has come a long way. Yeah, I saw one cartoon um, where Bugs Bunny, he was, he was, the, I don't know if you've seen this one, Akeem, he was the ice cream truck man, and he was calling the kids like monkey face, slant eyes. It was a it was an old Bugs Bunny cartoon, and it's it's interesting because as a kid you don't really think about all the adult references in the cartoons. You just learn to accept well, you, it. You're not, you're not taught, so you just you know this is a cartoon, right? It's animated, it's fantasy, and you you you're being obliterated with racist imagery. Uh, when now that I'm adult and they're showing it, I remember. The Tasmanian Devil. That's the uh, 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 a mockery of the Aboriginal people of Australia. Right, right. You know, but you know, as a kid, you don't think about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you don't think about that, and you just learn to accept it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was the main purpose was mm-hmm. for us to just accept it. Right. You know, but yeah. Well, that was well. Miseducators, we accepted. We, we accepted our own oppression. We, we fed ourselves. We bought televisions, and we fed ourselves to poison mentally. Right. It's why we're having issues today. Get along with each other. Have been programmed to like each other. Right. You're right. You're right about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I I think this generation is extremely aware of everything. Like the younger generation, they're aware and um, they're speaking out, I feel like, more than, you know, when we were younger. I think there's some that are aware and that's awake, but then I see they're speaking out, but the subject that they're speaking out don't seem like it's going to progress or help us in our mm. yeah. So what topics do you think they should speak out on? What is the truth? Knowing the truth about history, who did what, when they did it. Mm-hmm. You know, when they understand that the very constitution that we have in this country was adopted or created off the what they call the Native Americans. It comes from that document. You know, that's known in the in in, in congressional records, but they don't publish that through mainstream media or through secular education. They don't talk about 
Right. That needs to be talked about. Okay, you have a constitution that everyone takes an oath to, but no one knows that that document actually came from the great law team. Mm-hmm. That's how they framed it. Although they did a remix and they took some stuff out and made it more of a patriarchal document. Mm-hmm. Great law of peace had a you know a balance of power, male and female, in it. Where the constitution then that should be those are stories that should be told. Because once people say, wait a minute, we got this, was founded off of this, then that makes them look deep and say, well, okay, we, we, so these people weren't savages. These weren't primitive people that we were dealing with right. back then. They were actually a little more advanced than the people that came here because they had a government and a system already in place that was thriving. Did they have their problems and wars and stuff that they went through? Yes. But they learned from those wars, and they, that's why they came up with the Great War of Peace, so that they can bring peace amongst the tribe. Hmm. And they said, well, if you want peace amongst your colonies, you need to do what we did. And so they came in and they met, and they, yeah, you know, the, the, the stuff down, the brotherly love of Philadelphia and all of that, all that comes from the, the Native Americans, the Aboriginal people here. Right. All of that. Yeah, I know you've been talking a lot about the um the great the great law of peace. It's yeah. called the great law of peace. Right. The great it's law the of peace. Constitution for the Iroquois Confederation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something a lot of people don't know about. <laughs> Never learned about. So. No. They make it like these guys are so brilliant that they're the only ones. They came up with this great document. They, 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 it was an original idea, and it wasn't an original idea. It mm-hmm. was totally in chaos until they met with the natives and got their stuff together. Right. You see? But they, they, what they did was they got it, and then they totally cut them off. They didn't exist, and then they started making movies, making the, the Indians look like they were uneducated and um, uncivilized. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, if you want to join in on the conversation, you can call in um, 563-999-3615 and hit the number one. Um, I find it interesting that, I mean, some people were upset and angry about this whole thing. Like, you know, They'll find anything to be upset about. Mm -hmm. Can't please everybody. Right. That's That's true. You know. That is true. Okay, well, we can get into our book um, if you want to pull it up. All right, I'll share the screen. Okay. And this is um, the book 101 Amazing Facts. Excuse me about the Negro, and the author is J. A. Rogers. And um, last week we touched a little bit on religion, but um, I wanted to discuss ancient civilizations. So we'll start with number ten, um, learning about the Grimaldi people. So. Um, Ooh, that's hard to see, Akeem. <laughs> Let me pull oh, it up. I can make it big. And I can. Let me go to the. Uh, I'm sorry. I think it's okay. Hold on. I was just trying to. Can you see it now? Um, it's okay. I, it's just a little small for me because my screen is um, oh. minimized, but it's okay. I can read it. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, I'll go ahead and read the what it says here. It says, the Grimaldi, a Negro race, lived in Europe as late as 12,000 years ago. Two complete Grimaldi skeletons are in the Museum of Monaco near Monte Carlo. Um, abundant race traces of their culture have been unearthed in southern and central Europe. 
So we know um, Monaco is located in Europe. So the Grimaldi people were basically the original people of Europe. And this was something new for me, um, something that I was never taught. Right. children the truth of history whether you're black white you know it's important for our children to know the truth so I looked up um, more information about the Grimaldi people and I'll just read what I um what I what I found it says the Grimaldi were black Africans with very little body hair black and smooth skin They had the facial features typical of West African forest dwellers. They had kinky hair, and they arrived in Europe 40,000 to 50,000 years ago. They ranged in height from tall to medium. Their culture had developed in Africa tens of thousands of years before they moved to Europe. It was called the Arugnissian. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, It's spelled A-R-U-G-N-I-C-I-A-N, Arugnissian culture. In 1994, scientists found um, corroborating evidence of stone and bone tools on the banks of the Sim-like river in Zaire. They were finely crafted tools made between 75,000 to 100,000 years old, long before modern humans migrated to Europe. Yeah, and it, it goes on to talk about the um, the Neanderthals. Yeah, but I, I, it's very it's very interesting um, the Grimaldi, and. I looked at the um, the actual bones that were found that mm-hmm. are in um, a museum a museum in Europe, <laughs> and they said that the bones were a little different than the way our bones look now. You know, I mean, this is this was forty thousand years ago, <laughs> so. I wish I could see what they look like. I wonder, I, I you know. More than all about Neanderthal and all of that, they've just done some tests. Uh, well, not just it, they did a scientist from Asia mm-hmm. and said that people of color are the only, uh, well, people from the darker people of color, like Africa and things are the only ones without the Neanderthal strain 
Bruh, okay. That all others did. That, you know, it's a scientist from uh, Asian. Um, but you're not here. I don't know if you're here. <laughs> no, you won't. I want to talk about that. I mean, when you got shows like Ancient Aliens, they're always in lands where the people are dark looking at these megalithic uh, structures and wondering how they did it. Mm-hmm. They always accredited, oh, it had to be aliens because these people weren't sophisticated enough. But coincidentally, it's white males making those statements. Mm-hmm. You never hear the people from that area making those claims that some aliens did it. Right. See, that's, that's, that's white supremacy right there. I have mindset. You can't believe you weren't there. Mm-hmm. You don't see it actually being built. So how do you know that these people weren't sophisticated enough to do this? See, this is the whole white supremacy, racist ideal that they have to take everybody but themselves and make them look like lower forms of intelligence. We're at but. The only place you see these sophisticated structures are in lands where people of color live. Right. They're not in Europe. Right. The aliens, the aliens are very much of racist. They didn't like Europeans. So they just went to all the, the dark races and built these megalithic structures, these, one, these, set, these wonders of the world. But they never went to their land. Only thing they have is the, uh, that they can say, and I don't think it's theirs, is the uh, Stonehenge. Mm. That's it. That's all they have. That's fact. Everything else is in lands where people of color lived and flourished. So whenever they're going around and they're talking about their alien theory, oh, it had to be aliens because these people weren't sophisticated. How do you know? The thought of saying that you're not sophisticated enough because you're making that statement. You weren't there. Right, right. They say these things like it's a fact. The fact is this, those things were built, and the people that lived and flourished and ran those areas were people of color, hmm. dark people, okay? They weren't fierce-skinned people. So, wait a minute. <laughs> you, you see, that even that's racist. I'm taking it all back to the cat in the hat, you know, how they have these perceptions of everybody else as being lesser than they are, mm-hmm. you know? And, and when you think less of people, that means you're less. When you have these ideas about people thinking that they they don't you know they're inferior, then you're inferior just by having that thought. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is you're underestimating people and their intelligence, and you're saying it with facts that you can't prove it with because right. you were not there. Yeah, right. You didn't know how those people communicated and what they did in their daily life. That's it's a long aspect. Right. Now you you mentioned um the Stonehenge. Yeah. Stonehenge. Um I'm looking I'm I was looking that up and it said that it was created by people who left no written records. <laughs> no, they left records, they're just telling you that. Because that's another one that you can attribute to people of color. Now you just read your Grimaldi's. Let's go back to what you just read. Twelve thousand years ago. Uh huh. Right. That was in Europe. Right. Stonehenge. You said where? Yeah, where is Stonehenge? Oh, um, was that in Europe as well? Look it up. Okay. I don't. I don't make guesswork. I, look it up. Where? Okay. Stonehenge oh. is located. Um, it says Salisbury Plain. Salisbury Plain, Wiltshire, England. Okay. <laughs> okay. So. Right. right. Okay. Now, you just read remotely 12,000 years ago. Then you read something else that they date back how far? Oh, my God. This is. <laughs> like 46,000 years ago? Yeah. This, I mean, it says 7 DE. I don't know what that right. is. Okay. All right. So. And I'll put it Prehistoric. They're saying that the stone is older than the Right. Okay. And right. Now, and it's located now, in the UK. Uh huh. Look, 
Mighty number 11, it says Elam, a mighty Negro civilization of Persia, flourished about 2900 B.C., and is perhaps older than Egypt or Ethiopia. Older than Egypt or Ethiopia. Wow. So what I'm saying is even Stonehenge most likely is not a European structure. Hmm. Okay, it, like it, it, it doesn't come from fear skin. It comes from another thing that is a credit to people. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Thought, if you go through this book and you show how these civilizations just because we traversed the planet way before any other group of people. Right. You know, and, and shared knowledge along the way. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Now, is there more information on the Grimaldi? Uh, it probably is, but I haven't really researched that. Well, in the book. Like, are you uh, able to go? It's number 10. Uh, I haven't seen anything else. Well, okay. this book, if you go to the back of the book, gives you a more descriptive, more yeah. Right. Okay, so it doesn't say anything else about the Grimaldi. I think it does. They just got to go find it in the back of the book. Okay, let me see if I can find it. Don't. You have to go way, because I was actually reading this book the other day. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I like when I read stuff, I just don't like, how they generalize it here. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't, um, I like to go find the sources. Right. That, because that gives you more information. Okay, yeah, it doesn't, um, it doesn't give you any more information about the Grimaldi. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, all of you that are listening, if, if you didn't know about the Grimaldi, you know, look it up for yourself. I know I'm going to be doing some research on it this week and um, just finding ways on how we can teach our children this information. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm looking at the comments. Um, someone said, always stay positive with the message. Yeah, I think we we both, me and Akeem, Try to stay positive with our messages. Um, And then somebody wrote, you from the city, a.k.a. NOLA? I don't know what that means. NOLA. Not sure what that means. No, I don't know. No. Right. Um, was there anything else, came that you wanted to talk about? It's almost eight the, o'clock. Uh, the webinar will be ready. Okay. Um, later on today, I'll put it up on the web website. Um, dot com. Uh, the other shows that we have coming up. Fundraise uh, show is on Monday, seven p.m. Eastern time. My show is seven p.m. Eastern time. Tuesday, then on Thursday, it's Divine Connection Show, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then back to you. Every Sunday, 7 p.m. Yeah. Okay, um, Good information about his, we really need to dig into this history and start exposing because we got enough negative, negative, uh, uh, with, uh, uh, negative information mm-hmm. um, against us, so we got to put out the positive. Let it, let them know that we weren't primitive people. We're not. We're very sophisticated. That's why everybody builds stores in our neighborhood to sell to us. <laughs> they, 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 they know. They, everybody builds their business about around us because we will do business with anybody. You know, we'll just, and, 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 and once we realize without us, without our dollars, that's a fact, you know. So 
We have a lot of power in our dollars. And that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. Just got to spin it wisely. All right, I'm done. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was a good show, too. Yeah. Um, all right. Did you want to end it out with <laughs> some of your music? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to get a new outstation song. I hope you all stay blessed. Um, have a wonderful week. And peace. Peace, everyone. Mm-mm. All right, everybody. Till next time. Okay, that was good. <clears throat> I thought it was good. I mean, I-